Drew Butler is a former NFL punter. He played college football for the University of Georgia and was recognized as a unanimous All-American punter. The Pittsburgh Steelers signed him as an undrafted free agent following the 2012 NFL draft. He went on to play for the Bears, Lions, and Cardinals. We are super, super thankful that Drew took his time <clears throat> to meet with us, and we'll get right into it. So I'll start start us off here. So there's not a lot of punters that get recognition. Um, what what would you say to people that think punters are undervalued or they don't reserve the, deserve the same respect as other other position players? Yeah, first off, thanks so much for having me, guys. Um, big fan of the Between the Lines podcast. I thank you very much for inviting me on. Um, it's a great question. You know, obviously, I'm pretty biased towards punters because I was one. But if you think about it, I, I truly do believe that punting is one of the most important plays, if not the most important play in football, because every single time the ball is punted, uh, an average of 40 yards of field position has changed, right? So when the punter goes on the field, his team is expecting him to kick the football 40 yards down the field, flip the field, throw the defense out there, put them in a better position to go out there and win the field position battle, which is huge every single game. So it's a team game. There are 11 guys on the field each time you go out there. When I was at Georgia, I was blessed to have so many awesome athletes on the field where I could just go punt it out there. And I knew that they'd chase the guy down, force a fair catch, and we'd be able to really switch up some field position put our defense in a good spot to defend the field and have our offense get a shorter field the next time they go out there. So punting is so much a, a game of consistency. Um, it's a game of being able to really maintain a certain level rather than having great punts and then really bad punts. You want to make sure that your team can count on you um, and that your coaches and your teammates can expect you to go out there and get the job done each and every time you hit the field. And keep in mind, you might only get one punt per game. Some games you might have eight punts, usually averages around three to four punts per game. So you have to have that sort of sniper mentality that when you go out there, you have to be able to execute because if not, everybody's always looking at you if something goes wrong with a kick. So growing up, I'm sure a lot of youth football players aren't really excited about being a punter. I'm sure I didn't play youth football, but I'm sure people – want to play wide receiver, running back, quarterback. What was it about the punter position that interests you? And was this always your first choice of a position? Yeah, you know, I have a pretty unique story on, on how I came to play football. Um, so my dad actually kicked in the NFL for 13 seasons. He won a Super Bowl with the Chicago Bears in 1985. He played at Georgia as well. He was an All-American at Georgia. He's actually the only kicker in the College Football Hall of Fame, place kicker. Um, so I grew up loving football, but I never played football. I, I could tell you every statistic about every single player on the Chicago Bears roster. Um, when we moved back to Atlanta, I loved the University of Georgia because my dad went there. But I had always played soccer and golf growing up. Um, those are my two sports. You know, of course, I play baseball some seasons and basketball some seasons, but I really loved soccer and golf. I actually gave up soccer heading into high school because I wanted to go to college to be a golfer. That's how much I loved golf. Went to a brand new high school north of Atlanta called Peachtree Ridge. So my freshman year was the first year the school was open. Um, and a lot of my friends played football. And in their first season, they had lost a couple of games because they didn't have a kicker. 
an, an offensive lineman was out there trying to make extra points. He wasn't very good at extra points. So they were losing games because they had to chase two point conversions late in the game. Um, and I had always been able to kick. I, I would help my dad out when he kicked. My dad taught me how to kick. So one day uh, after my ninth grade year, I went to my parents and I said, Hey, I think I'm going to go play football next year. They had never heard that ever. I mean, I was 15 at that point. Um, and my dad's only rule was if you're going to try out for football, you have to give it 100%. You know, you can't have a bad first week of practice and want to quit. Uh, you can't get down on yourself because these things are hard. And I'd never worn pads before, never worn a helmet before. So 10th grade year, I was the starting kicker. And funny enough, a linebacker was the punter. He got hurt in a game. They threw me out there to go punt. And honestly, I just liked punting better. I was better at punting than I was at kicking. Um, I enjoyed it more. Um, and colleges saw that I was better as well. I had a few offers from some schools that wanted me to both kick and punt. Uh, but when the University of Georgia came in late and said, hey, we want you to be our punter, um, that was really attractive to me. And of course, I ended up at Georgia and, and the rest is history, as they say. And it was I was really fortunate for sure. Um, was there any pressure at Georgia and in the NFL because of your dad's legacy? Of course, there always is pressure, right? I, I think I'm a guy who puts a lot of pressure on myself, regardless of the outside circumstances. Um, I didn't start my freshman year at Georgia. Uh, this was in 2007, so completely different landscape when you're talking about social media. Twitter wasn't even invented. Facebook had been out for a couple of years at that point. So you weren't always hearing it out and about or in your face if you're scrolling through social media. But, you know, I would hear that, Maybe they wasted a scholarship on Drew Butler or Drew's only here because his dad went here. Um, I just knew I had to be patient. And we had a coaching change at my position heading into my sophomore year. A guy named John Lilly came in. He was the tight ends coach and a special teams coach. And I still talk to him this day. He was a massive help to me from a mental standpoint, from a training standpoint, understanding what it takes to be great day in and day out. So when he came in, um, he just really helped me and, and he was a friend to me and a mentor and a great coach to be able to take me to that next level. I ended up starting in 2009 and didn't look back. So um, hopefully they don't say that after what I was able to accomplish at Georgia, that I was there just because of my dad. So what's, what's, if you're looking back now, what's the most memorable, memorable moment in your college career that you, if you just had to pick one? Yeah. You know, obviously Looking back, I wish I was at Georgia now because they're so good. You know, when I was at Georgia, we weren't that good. We had a couple of lean years. In 2007, um, we had a fantastic team. We finished number two in the nation. Matthew Stafford was our quarterback. No Sean Marino was the running back. We had guys who were in the NFL all over the place. Um, and we beat Hawaii in the Sugar Bowl 41-10, to 10, finished number two in the nation. Just an unbelievable season. In 2008, we were the number one ranked preseason team. We ended up losing a couple of games that year, but still a lot of fun. And then when, actually when I started playing, 2009, 2010, we weren't really that good. You know, we went eight and five in 2009. We went six and seven in 2010. Uh, Georgia does not have losing seasons. You know, we had a losing season. We lost to Central Florida in the Liberty Bowl, which was, which was tough. There's no doubt about it. Heading into my senior year, though, we were able to turn it around. We won 10 straight games my senior year. Uh, we won the SEC East, which is probably the best memory that I have from college. We were able to get back in the SEC championship game for the first time in seven years, I think. Um, and in that season, Coach Rick had won his 100th game at Georgia. That's another great memory. Uh, but winning the SEC East in 2011 
certainly top memory for me in college. Um, and in that SEC championship game, that was fun too, but we lost to number one ranked LSU that game. Yeah, that, that was probably a rough loss. Um, so I kind of want to move on to the NFL. Um, so I've got a little bit of a statistic. So Please. in 2016, 117 of 590 undrafted free agents made a week one roster or an injury reserve. You were an undrafted free agent. What did you have to do to differentiate yourself in that rookie year or competing towards preseason? Yeah, it is tough, but you know, for special, it's, it's, it's not really that uncommon. Um, you know, a few punters and kickers get drafted every single year. I, I certainly thought that I was going to get drafted coming out of college. I worked out for tons of teams, had private workouts, talked to a lot of coaches, felt really good about my college career, felt really good about how I was kicking during the draft process. Uh, and it just didn't happen. I I'll never forget. We had friends and family over. We were watching the NFL draft. I thought I was going to go to the Carolina Panthers. Um, I wanted to go to Carolina. I knew it would be a great opportunity. And the ticker came across on ESPN and they drafted the punter from Wisconsin. Um, I was gutted. You know, obviously I was so upset, upset, meaning like frustrated. I was like, I was crying or anything. Um, but then other teams were calling me. This was in the sixth round, I think, or fifth round. And the Pittsburgh Steelers were calling me saying, hey, we have a couple picks in the seventh round. We might take you, but if we don't, we want you to come to Pittsburgh regardless. We're going to have an open competition at punter. We'd love for you to come compete. Um, and I had a couple of other opportunities. Some other teams had called me as well. But when I looked at the situation in Pittsburgh, I said, you know what? This is a great opportunity. They're a fantastic franchise. Their goal every year is to win the Super Bowl. Um, I went there. I was able to, to win the job my rookie year and uh, met a lot of great friends up there, still talked to a lot of guys. And I was just talking about this with my wife. I mean, I played with like five Hall of Famers my first season. Like Ben Roethlisberger is going to go to the Hall of Fame. Troy Polamalu is already in the Hall of Fame. James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, Heath Miller, uh, Marquise Pouncey, like so many guys on that team who are really, really good football players. So that was a special season for sure. Pittsburgh's a great place. Um, so you talked a little bit about the, the kicking competition in Pittsburgh. What was that like leading up to the 53-man roster cuts? Yeah, you know, actually the, the punter who was there is a guy named Jeremy Kapanos. He got hurt during training camp um he got hurt really bad his back we, we were running and he threw his back out it's a younger guy um tried to rush back from it. it it was a pretty gnarly injury I don't think he ever kicked again and during that time I was a rookie so I thought oh, okay for sure they're gonna go out and bring somebody in and, and make this a true competition as training camp was winding down and I was kicking well at that point and our special teams coach grabbed me um and he said hey we got a lot of faith in you you've been kicking great uh, we're going to ride this thing out. You better perform in these preseason games. You better be consistent throughout the rest of camp. Um, and this will be your job. So that's how it happened. You know, Kapanos was kicking awesome as well. That was a great competition. I learned a lot from him. But when I was able to really have the ability to get that many reps during camp, that was probably the biggest thing. And that I commend the coaching staff for that because, man, I was out there as young, but they were having me kick, putting me in real life situations to where when week one came around, I was ready to go. And that week one game, my first ever game in the NFL was Sunday night football in Denver. It was Peyton Manning's first game as a Denver Bronco. So that was pretty special. That was a cool game. Um, we lost late in the fourth quarter, but those night games, man, in the NFL, those are awesome. So you talked about kind of getting yourself into the NFL. Um, once you were in, once you got yourself set, was there a player that you looked up to or modeled your game after? 
or did you just kind of go in and, you know, fend for yourself? Yeah. You know, you always look up to the guys who are doing it at a high level. Um, I would, I would watch tons of tape of some of the punters who have been in the league for a super long time. I mean, a guy who I would always watch tape of who's still kicking today is Andy Lee. He's the punter for the Arizona Cardinals. He was there a couple of years after, um, I left Arizona and he is just a model of consistency. Um, unbelievable talent, been kicking forever. So those guys I would definitely look up to from a punting perspective. But when you're talking about a professionalism perspective, what it takes to be successful in the NFL, um, Larry Fitzgerald is a guy that comes to mind, shows up to work every single day, doesn't say too much, model of consistency, a great leader. Carson Palmer, another guy who you could depend on to get some advice from. Um, again, a guy who shows up, you know, Teammates believe in him. Coaches depend on him. Those were awesome friends to have. Uh, and then Mike Leach. Mike Leach was my snapper in Arizona. He played for 16 seasons. I mean, I didn't even play 16 years of football my whole life. He played 16 years in the NFL. Still talk to him this day. A great family man. Um, and he helped me out a lot on the mental side as well. So you just meet so many great people. It's just so different from college because, you know, Mike was 40, pushing 40 years old when I was 25, 26 years old in the league. So you can just talk to these guys about life, um, about your wives, about your kids. Uh, it's just it's just a lot of fun. So I'm glad to know those guys to this day. So one of the more exciting plays and electric plays in football is the fake punt. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to know if you've ever attempted a fake punt and how'd that go? You know, we attempted, um, in high school pretty often, uh, in college, we never attempted a fake punt. We did attempt a fake field goal. And in the NFL, I never attempted a fake punt, but I did attempt a fake field goal when I was in Pittsburgh. It was up in New York against the giants. Um, we did a fake punt down near the goal line. I threw the ball over the back of my head, uh, Sanj Sweezum, who was our field goal kicker caught it, but he got tackled. And look, I can throw. I mean, look, I, I, we'd be out there. We would do these things. You do it weekly during practice because you have to run through the specific situations. Um, and I never knew why I didn't get the opportunity to run a fake punt because, of course, I would have got a first down. So um, didn't have the chance to, to prove to prove my talent with a fake punt in the NFL, but did did do a fake field goal. Um. So the offseason just recently started for the NFL. What is or the regular off season for a punter like? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it changes from guy to guy. But but right now, what is it? February twenty sixth. You're laying low at this point. You're not kicking any footballs. You're probably working out, lifting weights, and doing some cardio a couple days a week. Um, and these guys will be back in their facilities in mid April. So you know, around St. Patrick's Day, mid March is when I would really start to turn it up work out a little bit harder, start kicking. You got to give your body a break. I mean, 16, 20 weeks of an NFL season doing the same things week after week, you can certainly get burnt out. So I would always plan for around mid-March to, to pick up the pace when it comes to training and more football-specific preparation. When you get to the facility for off-season program, which runs from mid-April to mid-June, that's all laid out for you. And the coaching staff and the strength and conditioning staff have those plans set for you leading up to mini camp. You get another nice little break from mid-June to early August, which is when training camp starts. So again, you shut it down for two weeks. You go to the beach with your family for 4th of July. And after 4th of July, you pick it back up. You start really training hard, getting your body ready for the grind of training camp. Obviously, the grind for a kicker and punter is a little bit different than anybody else. 
in training camp, but you're always specifically working towards being in top shape for when you need it most. So offseason certainly broken down in specific sequences for the NFL and every guy takes it differently. So speaking of um, on the, the specifics of a punter's routine or, and workout schedule, what, what ratio is weights, what uh, compared to kicking compared to yoga, or can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah, I think you probably get a lot of different answers from people who find some things work for them and some things don't. Um, you know, I would hardly squat during the season. I would do a lot more auxiliary lifts. I would do a lot of core stuff. Um, but during the off season, I would squat. I, I was always big into stretching. I wouldn't necessarily do yoga or Pilates or anything, but I had my own routines that would uh, incorporate some bands, making sure that as I was trying to strengthen my body, I was also stretching as much as I could. So there's a fine balance of guys who some run during the week, some don't run, some lift heavy during the week, some don't lift heavy during the week. It's just finding out how your body is going to get ready and be prepared to best perform on Sundays. So um, I kind of want to transition into later in your career. Obviously, a lot of football players struggle after their careers playing football for a living and then just having it stripped away from you. How did you deal with that transition away from the game? And funny story, I actually um, found that question on your Twitter. Oh, is that right? There you go. Um, yeah, you know, I was I was in a specific situation after my rookie year. I bounced around in 2013 uh, and I went to school and I got a journalism degree. Uh, Georgia has a fantastic journalism school. You see a lot of people in broadcast journalism who went to Georgia. So I always had an interest in broadcasting. Um, that's what I wanted to do since I was a kid. Uh, it's something that I knew would keep me involved with the game. So I had met with some people when I was bouncing around in 2013 and said, Hey, what does this look like? You know, I still want to play football, but I don't want to be green and unprepared for when football ends. So I had talked to a couple of people, one of them being the publisher of a popular website called UGA sports.com um, read heavily by Georgia football fans. And I explained this to him and he said, Hey, how about this? Write two articles a week for me, host our syndicated radio show. You can build your resume. People know who you are. I mean, I was only out of school for two years at that point. So I said, wow, that's a great opportunity. Continue to do it. Did it while I was playing for the Arizona Cardinals. I would write an article on Thursday. I'd write an article on Monday. I would host a radio show from my laptop in Arizona on Monday nights. Um, and it just really kind of got me ready for a for what I wanted to do. Um, after that, I started my own Facebook Live show. This is like when Facebook Live had first started. And then when I saw what was happening with podcasting, I created an idea for a podcast. And then I called my buddy Aaron Murray up. I said, Aaron, I have an idea. I'm going to call it Punt and Pass. I want you to be my co-host. We are former players. We're not old. We've played in these stadiums. We've played foreign against these coaches. We know these rivalries. Let's talk about college football like we usually talk about college football. I think we'll get a lot of reception from the fans. And we did. The first year we did it in 2017, Georgia started 11-0. and They were the number one team in the nation. They ended up winning the SEC championship, which is in Atlanta. So we did some live podcasts. They went to the national championship, which was in Atlanta. So we did some live podcasts. It was a great timing thing. Um, we've grown it significantly over the last four years. We're over a million and a half downloads. Follow us at Punt and Pass on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Puntandpass.com, YouTube, 
we have it all. We have a ton of fun with it. We have great guests. Um, and it's something that I really enjoy doing throughout football season. We do two episodes per week and our fans really appreciate it. We run a lot of great promotions throughout the season. We have great partners as well. Um, podcasting is tons of fun being able to talk about college football. There's nothing better. Um, you talked about your podcast there a little bit. What is the biggest challenge you face with running it? Yeah, so I do it all on my own. Um, I produce it. I edit it. I distribute it. Uh, my wife created our website for us. I publish all the YouTube videos. I, I just really enjoy doing it, and I like having the creative control. You know, Aaron and I would have meetings with people who were interested in getting involved with our podcast, and they would ask us questions like, how did you get so-and-so to be on your podcast? And we would say, well, we just texted them and asked them. You know, they wanted us to help them in ways that wasn't necessarily going to help us. And I just said, Aaron, I don't think we need anybody to do this for us. I can continue to do this. So I essentially just schedule out a couple of hours per week to dedicate that to time to podcast. We usually tape them in the morning. Um, I have done this for four years now, so I can usually edit and post it within 30 to 45 minutes after that. Um, and it's just fun to be able to say, I do it. You know, it's a passion project. We really enjoy doing it. Uh, Aaron is highly successful in his own right as an analyst with CBS Sports Network. He calls some games on the weekends throughout the fall, and he's on Sirius XM radio every single day. So we have tons of fun. We have great friends who help us out a lot, um, and we're just going to keep growing. So look out for some more exciting things about punt and pass in the future. Yeah, I, mean, I checked it out, and I'm I'm looking forward to listening to some more uh, in the future. But um, on your podcast, who would you say is your favorite guest you've ever had? Like, if you had to pick out of all of them. Yeah, we, we've had awesome guests. You know, throughout football season, we get some great people from ESPN. David Pollock has been on there from College Game Day. Maria Taylor who everybody knows. She's been on our podcast. Dan Orlovsky, who's on ESPN's Get Up, he's been on the podcast. Um, but this past summer, during quarantine, I did what I called the Quarantine Chronicles, where I started interviewing people all across sports and in the media about how they were dealing with the pandemic. You know, you're talking, I, I had Maria Taylor on again. I was like, what have you been doing? She's like, I've been at home for five straight weeks for the first time in six years. You know, she is always on the road. She was supposed to do the NBA draft. She was supposed to do the NFL draft. She was supposed to be doing NBA primetime. And none of that happened because all sports got shut down. Um, an unbelievable mental coach named Dr. Brett McCabe came on the podcast. He gave out some great nuggets. A New York Times bestselling author, John Gordon, came on the podcast. Um, I've had PGA Tour golfers, Cameron Hayward, the team captain for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We had tons of guests on, so it's hard to pick just one. Um, you guys, I mean, we'll get you guys on the podcast next season. That'd be the best. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pick you up on that offer. There you go. Um, so, uh, getting more into the podcast focuses mostly on college football, but I want to get into some draft preview stuff. If you Let's had to it. pick one sleeper in this draft class um who you think is going to be most successful in the nfl who would you pick one sleeper that's great you know who who i think is going to have a lot of success and it, it's also going to be talked about who he's going to be compared to and the success that this person had as a rookie um, jamar chase from lsu 
you know, he'll be a high draft pick. There's no doubt, but look at what Justin Jefferson did for Minnesota this year. Those LSU wide receivers were so good when they won the national championship. And when they go up against those LSU DBs, I mean, those are the guys who are going to the NFL too. So they are plug and play ready. And I think a guy like Jamar chase, depending on what team he goes to in the draft can show up and be ready to roll day one. Um, I don't think he's going to get talked about as much as Devonte Smith because Devonte was so dynamic uh, at Alabama last year and Jamar didn't play because he opted out. But if I had to pick a sleeper, I would say Jamar Chase. And I know he's probably going to be a top 10 pick, but that would be my guess just based off the comparisons that he'll probably get to Justin Jefferson. Um, sticking with college football, what's your prediction for the national championship game for the 2022 season? Oh, love it. You know, a lot of people are high on the Georgia Bulldogs. Look, I went to Georgia. I, I love Georgia. Um, it's this silly season time of year where people are going to say crazy stuff. I read an article today that was comparing Georgia to 2019 LSU, like one of the greatest teams of all time. Look, I don't know if I see that, but if you watch Georgia towards the end of the season last year um, and you saw how well JT Daniels was playing when he finally got the swing of things and got his legs back underneath him after getting comfortable having torn his ACL at USC – you have to love Georgia's chances. Um, how can you pick against Alabama? I, I don't know. that They reload every single year. They've got so much talent. It's just insane. And then look out West. I mean, USC, could they have a great season? Could a team from the Pac-12 sneak back in and make some noise? I'm not so sure. Um, but I can't pick against the SEC at this point. Come on, we win it every year. So I'll just ask you one, one final draft question here. Um, Who's your favorite prospect coming out of, out of Georgia this year? Favorite prospect coming out of Georgia. There's a lot, you know, they got a couple of DBs who are really good. Tyreek Stevenson, uh, excuse me, Tyson Campbell, Tyson Campbell, I think is his name. I I'm having a kind of a, a brain, a brain fart right now, but he's, he's long. He's about six foot three. He's fast. When you look at the DBs in the NFL right now, that's the build, you know, the smaller guys who are super speedy are kind of, few and far between at this point they're looking for physical dudes who have long arms who can jam somebody at the line but then have long enough strides to where they're not going to get run past so i would say um two of georgia's dbs eric stokes is one of them and tyson campbell i believe is his name you guys should check it for me um would be the other from georgia all right so i've got one final question for you kind of wrapping it back up to your roots at georgia um how connected are you with this athletics department and the team at Georgia? And uh, have you been back to visit recently? It is Tyson Campbell. I just checked it. Uh, okay. I love Georgia. Yeah. And I, I, I know the administration real well. I know the coaches real well. Um, and, you know, doing the podcast and, and being able to, to cover Georgia football, to cover SEC football and college football in general, you know, I just like being around and I, I like staying in tune with what's going on. Um, and just cheering for the dogs. I mean, there's nothing better. And down here in Atlanta, where I live, college football is king. There's no two ways about it. Saturdays in the fall are the best. So I'm Georgia through and through. I'll always support the dogs. And I'm glad to say that I still have great relationships with everybody there. All right. Well, that's, that's all we got for you. But thanks for being on. Um, and we really appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate you having me and have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the Between the Lines podcast. Next week, we are doing a listener-controlled episode where we debate sports takes from all of our listeners.